Welcome to the Ocean Hills Podcast. Our hope is that today's message would help you connect more deeply with God and with others. If you would like more information on what is happening in the Ocean Hills community, check out our website at oceanhills.org or download the Ocean Hills app. If you are encouraged by our ministry and would like to partner with us financially, you can give through your mobile device by texting Ocean Hills to 77977. We hope you enjoy this message. Have a seat. We welcome everybody. My name's John Ireland. Today is, I got my wife on the platform. It's our 40th anniversary. We were married August 20th, 1983. And we were married on my mother's birthday, and my mother turns 85 today, and she's in the second row center. (laughs) Happy birthday, Mom. Also, um, just a shout out, I have some people in the audience, we do, that were actually at and in our wedding. So uh, my sister was one of Natalie's uh, bridesmaids right here, sitting here. Uh, One of my groomsmen, Kurt Holmes, sitting right there in the middle. My best man was my big brother, Jimmy, over here. (laughs) I don't know if Steve Beck's in the house or not, but Steve uh, read at our wedding, and he's in town today. But it's an honor for us to uh, have our family and friends here and... I decided, uh, since it's our 40th anniversary, I said to my wife, would you like to say something? And uh, she said, sure. And I said, what are you going to say? And she said, you'll find out. (laughs) So welcome to the Ireland marriage. That's it. Here we go. You're on. Here, let's do this. So first of all, I also need to acknowledge Melinda Holm, because I kind of remember her singing at her wedding. Um, (laughs) So thank you so much for coming to church. Thank you for coming with an expectation to be worshiping Jesus this morning and to allow us to share a little bit of our life with you on this auspicious occasion. You know, I I came to faith in Christ at 22 um, on the mission field in Mexico City, which is actually where I met John. And it was not until I came to faith in Christ down there, met three missionary families, that I actually, for the first time, saw three marriages that worked. Um, So that was a real testimony to me and to my faith as it was fledgling and growing. Um, John and I dated down in Mexico City, even though he didn't want to. (laughs) Um, John and I both came from broken homes, so the idea of a committed long-term relationship was very scary When he asked me to marry him, I actually felt like I was falling into an abyss. Um, (laughs) 
I was gone so long that the waiter actually told John he thought I left by the back door. <laughs> um, eventually we came to a point where we realized that marriage was not like a contract because there is no escape clause. So when we were planning to get married, our goal and emphasis was on the marriage and not on the wedding, which is very opposite of what you see mostly today. Um, we planned our wedding in one day, and it, that, that was it. <laughs> um, my vows were from Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12. The last verse says, a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. So we are two strands, and of course the third strand was Christ. We would not stand before you today without the third strand. So our being here for 40 years is solely a testimony um, to the power of Jesus Christ in our lives, because it has not been easy. Um, I know some of you have come out of abusive relationships. Some of you are still in abusive relationships. Some of you are halfway out, and we're praying that it ends soon. But um, God sees you as well, and God knows your story as well. And he will hold your hand as well as he has held ours. So um, I thank you very much again for putting up with, you know, the glass house sermon. And, <laughs> and here's John. You can put that there. Um, we, we did do one thing that was a little unorthodox on our wedding day. We had a wedding cake that was four tiers, and it was made of Haagen-Dazs ice cream. It was an ice cream cake. Everyone said we were crazy because it was going to melt, but the opposite happened. It was so hard frozen that it was hard to make any slices. But um, in honor of that wedding day, when uh, we go out t after church today, we have Haagen-Dazs ice cream bars for everybody here. So uh, have yourself a little ice cream um, in celebration of us. So I want to talk about uh, marriage today. I thought it'd just be a one-off. I read a, a, a headline, actually, a headline in the news this week was, was this, 63% of divorcees say that this is the number one thing that would have saved their marriage, and it's not money. So 60, that's like two-thirds of people who have gone through a divorce said the number one thing that could have saved their marriage was this, a better understanding of the commitment of marriage prior to marrying. I want you to just sit in that. These are people that got married, it didn't work out, and as they look back, they're saying, boy, you know, I don't think I really thought through 
or had anybody sit down with me, whether it be a counselor or parents or mentors, and help me help us understand the commitment of marriage before we got married. So Natalie and I, part of our story is, she went to, some, most of you don't know, she went to Talbot Theological Seminary down in La Mirada. I was at Fuller Seminary, and she was actually taking a class on Monday nights from a guy named Dr. Norm Wright. And Dr. Norm Wright uh, was teaching a class on Monday nights, and the title of the class was Premarital Counseling. And she was in that class, and Norm said, you can bring a guest with you if you want. So part of our dating relationship was attending a premarital counseling class by Dr. Norm Wright, where he was on a stage and he was, we, we had a front row seat to watching him actually do live premarital counseling with a couple. And um, here's what I remember what Dr. Wright said about marriage. He said that marriage, this was his definition. Marriage is an unconditional commitment to an imperfect person. So a perfect marriage is when two imperfect people refuse to give up on each other. Just sit in that. A perfect marriage is when two imperfect people refuse to give up on each other, and that's our story. That's our testimony. We believe what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 19 when he was reaching back into the Genesis story in verse six, and he said, what God has joined together, let no one separate. And when we got married, we decided that divorce was not an option for us. And, and you know, speaking on this in this day and age is, oh, I feel like I'm walking on eggshells a little bit because I don't know your story. And I know that I, I have friends, some of my closest friends. I have two friends that have been married three times. And uh, I officiated two of one of, the, one of my friend's weddings. And so I'm not, there's no judgment on what you've been through in marriage. I'm here to lift up the story of God, the word of God, and what he teaches and what he wants for you and for us as a community. And so Natalie and I, we just believed that God put us together. And we have for 40 years refused to give up on each other. Did you see the title of the sermon this morning on your program, in your program? It's called Happily Even After. And that's because you can't be married for 40 years or 10 years or 30 years or whatever it is without experiencing some stuff that's real, hardship, challenge, joy, highlights. Um, we, we, we have had the highest highs, the lowest lows. I, I got a whole bunch that I listed. I'm not going to go through it. But here's a couple things I want you to know. Early in our marriage, I was the youth pastor at Montecito Covenant Church. And Dr. Dean Given did a marriage retreat. And I'm looking at June Michelson because she was at that retreat. And here's the only thing I remember about the retreat. I don't know, there's maybe 50 couples there, 100 people, and they had us fill out a questionnaire, and it was kind of about compatibility and differences. And let's see which couples have the most in common and which ones have the least amount in common. So we all stood up, and based on your answers, how many got this many right, this many right, this many right? Sit down if you got, so you're most compatible if you sit down first. 
So it's like, you know, people start sitting down, people keep sitting down, people keep sitting down. Natalie and I are standing up, and June and Russ are standing up. Uh, I don't know if you remember this, but it came down to the Michelsons and the Irelands. The last two couples standing that day. And, and I think it's a testimony, though, that rather than letting our differences divide us and trying to fix and be fixated on changing our partner, one of the secrets to marriage is learning how to accept and celebrate those differences. And uh, early on, we knew that we were really, really different. And uh, God used marriage mentors in our life. He used this couple, um, uh, Dennis and Lucy Guernsey, when we were at Fuller. Um, we had dinner with them once a month at their house, and they just helped us understand that our challenges were normal. They, we weren't like, oh, whoa, you're the only couple we ever heard of that, that, that's having those challenges. That really helped. Joyce and Alan Anderson, I don't know if they're here, they, we met them back in 1984 when we lived in Chicago. And Joyce and Alan have been such mentors to, to us and others along the way. And maybe that's just kind of free advice. Boy, find some older couples that, that you admire, that you respect, and, 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 and see if maybe you could uh, let them rub off on you. And uh, you don't have to be in a marriage crisis or about ready to get divorced to, to reach out for help, to uh, seek to surround yourself with good counselors and therapists and uh, a community of faith and small groups. I mean, we've, we've, we've done all that. Uh, to surround ourselves with uh, healthy communities and environments. Um, and then, I mean, our story, like I say, nobody gets through unscathed. If you're married here today, you've been through some hard times. And if you haven't, you're going to. I'm just going to tell you, you're going to. Uh, and if you're married 40 years and you go, we never, we, we, we've always been happy. Well, I'd love to talk to your spouse because uh, you might be in denial. <laughs> Um, because real life marriage can be hard, it can be challenging, you can be disillusioned. We went through the death of Natalie's dad in the second year of our marriage, it was really, really hard. Uh, and then her mom, some 17 years ago, we went through infertility, trying to get pregnant for seven years, couldn't get pregnant. And the, the, the good Christian community, they all like, all you got to do is uh, adopt, and then you'll get pregnant. Just adopt, and then you'll get pregnant, which, of course, we never got pregnant. And so we said, okay, let's adopt. And so we, we tried to adopt, and we got connected to a birth mom who took thousands of dollars from us and then ditched us. And uh, I, got a, I kept calling, hey, where, where are you? Where was it? You know, and, and finally, I, I got a call that said, quit calling this number or harm will come to your family. I felt like I was in a Hallmark movie or something. It was like, what? So that led to a little bit of a faith crisis, right? God, where are you? I've given my life to serving you, and, and, and children are a blessing from the Lord, and we want to have kids, and we can't get pregnant, and, and, and we've done all of that, and now we're trying to adopt, and, and we can't do that, and we're still not getting pregnant. And so that was really a, uh, a hard, hard season of our life. And and other stuff. I mean, I put here, we've been arguing for 40 years over the difference between messy, picked up, and clean. <laughs> um, 
Oh, gosh, yeah. All right. Let me read for us um, a passage out of Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians 4. This is just some good uh, relational encouragement. Uh, I'm reading verses 2 and 3 and 31 and 32. The Apostle Paul's writing this to that same church. We're studying that prayer in Ephesians 3. But now we're just jumping ahead here to Ephesians 4 for today. Here's what is written in Ephesians chapter 4. Always be humble and gentle. I, I, I mean, I can't even go on. Just apply that to marriage, and you're going to actually have a pretty good marriage. Because what's the opposite of humble? It's always being right. It's arrogant. It's full of yourself. You know, the marriage therapist Esther Perel said, you can be married or you can be right. You choose. And, uh, and so be humble. That's what the scripture says. Be humble and gentle. What's the opposite of gentle? It's harsh. It's critical. It's complaining. It's nitpicking. It's pointing out the faults of your partner. And then Paul says, be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults. Did you know you have faults? Raise your hand if you're going, I don't have any faults. Just raise your hand because we'll bring you up for prayer right now. <laughs> all of us have deficiencies. All of us have weaknesses. All of us have blind spots. And the Apostle Paul is saying, make allowance. Make room. Elastic. Be, 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 be flexible. Make room for your partner's Faults. Why? Because of your love. Because of your love. Because of your love, you're going to make allowances for each other. Verse 3, make every effort to... Now, I just got to pause again. Make every effort means what? It means work. <laughs> make every effort implies you have to be intentional. You have to work at it. Sometimes relationships are hard. And I'm speaking not just about marriage today. Single people, friendships, family relationships, siblings, adult parents with your adult kids, whatever it is. Make every effort is about being intentional. Intentional. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit. Binding yourselves together with peace. And then skipping down to verse 31, get rid of all bitterness because it will destroy a marriage. Get rid of all rage. That too will destroy a marriage. Anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, Oh, he's saying there's another way to live. There's another choice or series of choices you get to make because you know, I'll remind us, love is a choice. It's a decision. It's not just a feeling. I don't feel love anymore. No. Instead, you feel angry. You feel resentful. Well, he says, instead, be kind to each other. That's the way of Jesus. It's the upside-down kingdom. Instead, be kind to each other, tender hearted rather than hard and or cold hearted 
forgiving one another just as God through Christ has forgiven you. So in the few minutes that I have, uh, Natalie helped me write this talk. Um, I'm calling it 54321, the most important words in a marriage. So the five most important words in a marriage are, I'm sorry, please forgive me. Why? Because misunderstandings happen, disagreements happen, hurt feelings. You can't be married. I don't care who you're married to. You're going to have misunderstandings. You're going to get an ouch that happens. You're going to be disillusioned. You're going to go, oh, my gosh, I did not sign up for this. The for better or worse, oh, my gosh, I'm in the for worse season right now. In sickness and in health, oh, my gosh, I think my partner's sick right now. And it's not just having a cold. Um, for richer or for poorer, my partner, you know, gambling the money away or spending the money faster than I make it. Or, I mean, I've heard all of it. And what is so important in marriage is that we learn to make a choice called repair, forgiveness, humility that says, I am so, so sorry. And if you've been hurt, if you've been burned, if you've been betrayed, it's learning to set the prisoner free, realizing the prisoner is you in the prison of bitterness and resentment and choosing to forgive. This isn't easy. This is graduate level stuff. You want to be married 40 years, you got to learn to become a very, very good forgiver. That's what Billy Graham, the great evangelist, his wife, Ruth Graham said this, I got it right here. You have to become a really good forgiver in marriage. And Jesus, remember the person who came to him and says, well, wait, 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 how many times do I have to forgive the one who sins against me? Seven times, right? Do you remember what Jesus said? Yeah, seven's plenty. If after seven, I'd, I'd break up with that person. I'd bail. No, Jesus said seven times 70. Now just feel the weight of that. You can't be married for a long, long time without becoming a really good forgiver. Here's the foremost, the foremost, are you ready? The foremost important words in a marriage. Are you ready? Are you ready? No, that's not it. Let's get it on are not the foremost important words. I, I wish they were, but they're not. What are the four most, look at my brother. He's, my brother. <laughs> He's going, I can't believe you did that. Uh, the four most important words in a marriage are, here you go, I'll do the dishes. I'll do the dishes. Why? That's it's symbolic of embracing the heart of a servant in your home. Jesus said, if you want to be great, become the servant of all. Just apply that. You want to have a great marriage? Then become the greatest servant in your own home. This is the, this is the growth area of 40 years in my own life. Here I am, a minister, but this, this idea of serving and outserving my wife or your partner, your spouse. You know, I had a mentor, 80. 80-something-year-old mentor several years ago said to me, John, do yourself a favor and go home and outserve Natalie. Now, just think about that. Do yourself a favor. 
when we serve each other without measuring, comparing, keeping score, when we do that, it honors Christ. It's the way of Jesus. It's the upside-down kingdom. There's that little phrase Gottman coined, small things often. Make that your motto if you're married. Small things often. I'm the guy that wants to go, I'm going to do the big thing that'll make up for the last 40 years of, of, of not being a great sermon at home. It doesn't work that way. It's small things often. Can you say that with me? Small things often. Now go home and apply it. Here's the three most important words in a marriage. I know what you're thinking. Tell me more. Tell me more. Why? Why tell me more? It shows I'm interested in you, in your day, in your point of view in what you're feeling. Tell me more. It says, I'm ready to lean in. I'm ready to engage. I'm, I'm interested in you. Tell me more. It says, I'm willing to put down my phone that I'm scrolling while watching TV and you're pouring your heart out to me and I'm not listening. You got to put it all away and say, tell me more. And couples that do that are flourishing more than they are floundering. Tell me more. Philippians chapter 2, Paul said this, don't look out only for your own interest, but take an interest or be interested in others. Be interested in your partner. You know what happens in marriage? At, at, at first we're like, oh, remember when you're dating? Oh my gosh, we stayed up till 4 a.m. talking and oh, we were so close and we we're pouring our hearts out. When was the last time you did that? Except in an argument uh, when you're married, right? It's like, but it's, it's, we get comfortable and then we get careless. Isn't that what happens? We get careless. We start taking each other for granted and then, and then we become critical. It's like comfortable, careless, critical, leave me alone, I'm watching the ESPN right now, rather than tell me more, right? And so part of marriage, we have to daily, in following Jesus, we die to our own selfishness. Jesus said, you have to crucify yourself. Paul said that, I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, Christ lives in me. And so part of marriage is learning to crucify your selfishness on a daily basis. Here's the two most important words, and the research backs it up. It's thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. In fact, research shows that couples who practice being grateful are happier in their marriages. In fact, I found this, the study found that when one spouse inwardly feels grateful for the good things about their partner or about their relationship, it's likely that their partner, it rubs off on their partner. Their partner experiences a sense of marital satisfaction too. So the research says, if I focus on what I'm grateful for, rather than what I'm annoyed or irritated by, but what are the things I'm grateful for about us, about my wife, and vice versa, that that's going to feed and nourish and encourage togetherness and the story of us and we're in it together and a warmth at home rather than a cold, critical home life, right? Thank you, thank you. What's the opposite of thank you? You know, 
It's that critical, it's that complaining, it's that trying to fix and trying to change rather than, I'm grateful that we're so different because that makes us a better team. It's all on how you filter or the lenses that you look at your life and your spouse through. Um, I will say that my wife does, I don't know, 99% of stuff around our house that feels like, you know, but I, the one thing I do do right, there is one thing I do do right. I make her at about 6.30 every morning. We have coffee, and we, we have our God room where we have our quiet time and we pray together. But I make her a pour-over coffee, and this is absolutely true. Every single morning, she says, thank you. Thank you so much. Oh, my gosh, thank you so much. Which makes me want to do it again. And again, see, it, that's what happens. That's how it works. Gratitude feeds, wow, I want to I keep becoming the person that God wants me to become. And so here's the last thing. The, the number one most important word in married life. You probably think I'm going to say God, which I could, or Jesus, which I could, and, and it would be right. But I'm going to use the word yes, yes. Why would I say that? Again, it's the research. Gottman's research says after 20 years of marriage, there's two categories. There's the masters and the disasters. That's not my language. That's his. The, ma the masters are those that are flourishing, those that are thriving after 20 years of marriage. The disasters, they're floundering. They're struggling. They're growing apart. And, and, and the research shows this. The masters say yes to each other over 90% of the time. And the disasters, those that are floundering, they say yes to each other less than 30% of the time. Hey, can I borrow the yes? Hey, let's go for a walk. Yes. Any time my wife is leaning in and wants to spend time or wants to talk or wants to do something together or wants to connect, the answer needs to be yes, and for you too. And vice versa, because yes, it, 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 it builds this warmth in your home. Think about the other. Hey, let's hang out. Let's go. No, I don't want to. I'd rather watch ESPN. No stings. It just does. And we've all, if you've been in a you've experienced it. It hurts. You're, you're, you're leaning in, wanting to connect with your spouse, and they, they keep saying no. Well, guess what happens after a lifetime of no's? At some point, the person's going to go, no to you because they don't want you don't want to hang out okay i'll go hang out with somebody else and so this is a spiritual practice to say yes yeah what's important to you i'm going to make it important to me you you want to go walk the dog I'll, I'll go with you you want me to come i'll do that even if i don't feel like it okay i'm going to wrap this up by, um, well, I want to share, there's a book, you don't have to buy it, the subtitle of the book is Everything, it's called Sacred Marriage, and here's the subtitle of the book, what if God designed marriage to make us holy more than to make us happy? Think about that. What does that mean? 
What if God's design for marriage is really more about making us holy, which means more like Jesus? Rather than, well, I'm not happy. I'm out. And, then, you know, this word is for all of us. And I would just say, if you're single, let this talk shape how you make your choice for the future. No shame in your past. If you're on your third marriage and you're getting divorced, there's no shame. But, but your fourth marriage, let's, let's, let's apply God's truth and God's word and God's grace to your life. I'll close with this story. And I, I tell it at every wedding I do. It's the story of our wedding 40 years ago. I think it was at the rehearsal dinner. Uh, it was either there or, or, or the morning of the wedding, but I was very nervous when I got married. And so my grandparents, Harold and Merle. How many of you are naming your kids Harold and Merle? <laughs> Harold and Merle, they, they ended up being married for 72 years. And so I went to my grandmother, Merle, and I said, Graham, I said, uh, you and Grandpa sure seem to laugh a lot and seem to have a really strong marriage. And this is what I, I said, what's your secret sauce? What's your secret sauce? And what she said in that moment, I've never forgot it. And I've, I've tried to apply it. She said this in that moment. She said, I could tell you a few things, but I'll tell you this. When you're wrong, admit it. And when you're right, shut up. <laughs> and I'll tell you what. That takes us back to the first five words. I'm sorry, forgive me. And leads me to my concluding remarks, which is your bonus point, which is you don't always have to say what you think. Sometimes there's real wisdom. Oftentimes there's real wisdom in just not saying anything. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to have the band come up. We're going to try, we're going to do an experiment. I hope you'll participate in it. The band and Casey are going to sing the blessing over us. And we have, uh, the Laseas are going to come up. Why guys come on up? And the Schaefers and Natalie and I are going to be here. We're going to, this is what we're going to do. We're going to invite every couple to receive a blessing today. So you're going to come forward and we're going to pray a blessing and it might it's just a simple blessing like it might be may his favor be upon you today and always amen or it may be may our good and gracious god heal your hurts and fill you with hope and joy love and laughter whatever it is but here's what happens after you receive the blessing the couple that blesses you they're going to go sit down and you're going to turn around and you're going to now give the blessing. We're going to be the body of Christ. We're going to be the church this morning. You, you don't have to have a perfect marriage to give a blessing. You're going to turn around and give a blessing to the next couple that comes. Now, for those of you that are single, those of you that are in a place where you're not coming for this, we have some prayer team members that are going to be in each corner. If you would like a blessing, if you would like prayer for wherever you're at in your life, we have prayer team that want to bless you, that want to encourage you that want to pray over you, all right? Now, there's no pressure. I'm not, yeah, we're not like taking attendance who came up or who didn't, but who didn't want a blessing? My goodness, if you're married, get up here and get a blessing, all right? Let's stand together.